Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life and society, and vice versa. Coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin. And from Indianapolis, I'm Sean. And before we get started on this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and follow us on social media at Caption Life. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit. And you can also find out more information about us in our past episodes at thecaptionlife.com. <laughs> Right, yes. Please visit thecaptionlife.com. Uh, maybe one day we'll have merch that you can buy um, with our faces on it. That'll probably sell really, really well. Oh, it, it would definitely sell really well. I think so. People Wouldn't people like to have this kind of face, like, on their shirt. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think our biggest fans are our mothers. I don't think they would buy that. So. Oh, they would. <laughs> the moms would hey, buy uh, that. <laughs> she may buy it to support us, but she probably wouldn't wear it in public. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. Hey, on this episode of The Caption Life, we are excited to have a guest join our group of merry men. Uh, David Hazan is a gr- comic book writer and editor based in Melbourne, Australia. He is the writer and creator of the hit series Nottingham for Mad Cave Studios and a winner of the Mad Cave Studios 2019 Talent Search. Uh, volume 1 of Nottingham hit record sales, and Volume 2 is currently in production. He is joining us tonight to talk about that series. So welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're really excited to have you here. Um, so to get things started, we'd like to ask this question of all of our guests that we have on the show. Um, and since we're all fans and influenced by comics, we just want to ask you, uh, what got you into comics both as a fan and as a writer? Well, I, I always have an unusual answer for this question um, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not really – I didn't really grow up reading comics. Okay. Uh, I was kind of somewhat of a late bloomer. Um, sort of in the last three years, I've, I've kind of done the deep dive into comics. Um, I guess I was always a fan of comics-related media, but it wasn't until uh, some very kind and generous colleagues of mine uh, about three years ago, got sick of me talking about movies and TV at them and decided that <laughs> they would start shoving comics in my hands. Um, right. And the first book that they decided to give me was uh, Batwoman Elegy, um, the like original kind of uh, Rucker uh, Williams run that uh, reinvented the character. Um, and like obviously they knew that a queer Jewish superhero would uh, sink its hooks directly into me. Um, and, uh, I've been, yeah, I've been reading comics obsessively ever since. And I decided, you know what, um, why not start writing these, uh, something kind of clicked, I guess. Uh, cause I've, I've always been a writer, but you know, I'm one of those people who has, uh, you know, half a dozen half finished novels just kind of sitting in the back of, uh, uh, the cloud somewhere. Um, right. But as soon as I started writing comics, I was like, this this just makes sense to me. Why wasn't I doing this before? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that's where I am today. Nice. Thank you. And so let's talk about your comic, Nottingham, mm-hmm. uh, which is a story that you wrote. Is The first issue came out earlier this year. And here at the end of the month, we're going to get the trade. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Yes. So the first volume, um, and it's it's drawn by uh, Shane Connery Volk, and it's colored by Luca Romano, uh, lettered by oh I'm going to butcher this. Maybe you can say it. Uh, Jomet Gill. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And it's published by Mad Cave Studios, uh, and it retells the story of Robin Hood from the bu- the viewpoint of Blackthorn, the sheriff of Nottingham. 
but this is a, a very different viewpoint and a version of the story, which we can get into a minute. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this particular story? Um, I, I like I have the like this grubby kind of practical writer answer for this one. <laughs> <laughs> like Mad Cave uh, wanted me to pitch them a noir. Um, and I was really not interested in, in writing anything that in a setting that was currently in the market, you know, we're kind of at a point where we've seen so much, you know, modern day, um, you know, 20th century as well. And then also, um, just like a bunch of cyberpunk noir. Uh, and I just wasn't interested in doing any of that, um, so I figured a medieval setting would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to kind of get the same vibe that one would get out of a, uh, a noir, you kind of have to find a parallel to like what is post-World War II anxiety in the context that uh, you're setting your noir in. And mm-hmm. the answer was the Crusades. And from that, it mm-hmm. kind of leapt to Robin Hood. I was like, oh, wow, like there's a character called the sheriff. Why don't we make them – the the cop in this medieval police procedural um and it all just kind of fit together uh like marion became the like quintessential femme fatale which i thought was exciting because it's such a huge departure from the character Mm -hmm. uh, as we know it yet it totally makes sense um and like those are the best writing discoveries for me where instead of being like wow that's a great idea like Wow, that makes so much sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> I I noticed here recently that there was a, a, a I guess a incentive cover or something that has like a very noir thrill with with Robin Hood on the cover, like looking mid mid century in in a zoot suit and stuff, and the sheriff. Oh, I, and I was I saw that and I was like, oh man, that would have been such a cool idea to like update it like that. But at the same time, it still really works the way that you wrote it as mm-hmm. uh, in the time frame that like the traditional story happens in. Yeah, yeah, and and I look at that cover as it's a it it feels very much in like an Americanization of the concept oh, yes. to me, <laughs> which is uh, uh, which is sort of uh, not what I wanted to do, only because like you know. So many of 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 your noirs ex, ex, exist in in that space, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved it. It was fun. It's a it's a New York Comic Con variant. It sold out in like an hour. Um, oh so, wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited for that, and like I can't wait to get my hands on my copy. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really cool. Yeah, I I, I agree with Kevin. This uh, and just like what you said, I think the. Uh, um, you know, the Nottingham, uh, you know, graphic novel kind of flips the story a little bit and it just takes liberties in terms of like the different character development, which I found it really fascinating. And, and I think I even sent you a message on Twitter saying that, you know, I just really couldn't put it down. <laughs> it, just, it was just like, as soon as I read that one issue, I had to go to the next one. And, and it was just really uh, captivating for me just to kind of feel like I'm reading the story again for the first time. Um, even though you're familiar with like so many versions of the story, it's it's a different approach. I really love that. So, um, 
So so in Nottingham, the tables are flipped for the reader, meaning that the sheriff of Nottingham is actually the protagonist they end up rooting for and sympathizing with. And it's a detective mystery story, uh, which is, you know, it's a very nice touch and approach. And, and Robin Hood is actually a lot more sinister than we traditionally think of him in this story. And even the relationship between Robin Hood and Maid Marian, as you mentioned, is actually more out of like a common entrance line than it is romantic. So um, what we also loved about this is that the artwork and devices they're used to help reinforce these ideas from the first First panel where Robin Hood and his merry men wear like a very devious, disturbing mask when they do their work. Can can you share a little bit about what were some of the conversations and decisions that were made that led to this sort of style and creation of the story? Yeah, well, I think the first thing was I wanted to evoke something really creepy with the idea of of, of <laughs> the merry men, right? Um, yeah, and uh, like I knew I wanted them to be uh, obviously. Te- to tend towards murder, right? Um, and you know, anyone who's a fan of comics knows that the creepiest thing you can do with murder is to do it with the smile on your face. Um, (laughs) so I I took that idea. Um, uh, also all of comics is just borrowing things. So borrowing things and mashing (laughs) them up. So that's, that's basically what I did. I took the Guy Fawkes mask, uh, I took the the idea of of, of uh, the Joker in some way, a smiling right. while he murders people, um, right. and I took an image of like what a kind of mask like that would look like at the time, and I threw them all at Shane. This was the first rendition of the mask that came back, and I was like, "Done, sold." <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's the most unsettling part of the comic. Yeah, <laughs> like the like. There's definitely some gore and some some things that that kind of make you kind of queasy in there because it is a it is a medieval story and medieval weapons were mm-hmm. you either got bludgeoned or stabbed. But the the serious in all seriousness, the cover of the of the comic that just has the the creepy looking mask on it is to me the most unsettling part yeah. of it because I, I used to work in a library where um, the university library where somebody had a mask collection in one of the study carols, like on the fourth floor. And every night I would have to go uh, turn the lights out in the study carols and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And walking past that room with those masks in it freaked me out. <laughs> and I was having like, like flashbacks to that as I like looked at the, at the, the Robin hood mask in, in your story, David. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, but also <laughs> no, it was good. It's good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree with Kevin. Like that, I remember when I, that was the first image that you see. And I remember thinking like, what did I get myself into <laughs> just because of, of that same emotion that invoked. But once I got past that first image and like even just dove into that first page, I'm like, this just sounds very interesting. I got past it real quick, but it is very disturbing, which, which I think you captured that perfectly, which is what you were going for. I, so I mean, that was a good 90% chain. I just gave him <laughs> the concepts and like his execution is just like so far beyond what I expected. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm like, and I'm seeing the pages come in for volume two now. Uh, and I just mm-hmm. saw the first cover for volume two and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to up my game because like he's, you know, next leveling himself every single page. And I'm like, I don't know how I can keep up with that. Um, right. so we'll see. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this is obviously a, a great success for you looking at what you've done at Mad Cave Studios. Many of the issues have already sold out. Um, what's been your favorite and most challenging thing about doing this comment? And is there any interesting backstories or Easter eggs in there? Oh, 
I, I, I did lay a few little Easter eggs in there. Um, mostly just fun stuff, but look, I, you know, I had a blast doing this. There, there was not a whole lot of, of, uh, frustration or hiccups because everyone involved is so like professional, but also so genuinely nice. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like between Shane and I, we can both agree that like Luca, our colorist is also our biggest cheerleader. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like such a fan of the book as well as being involved in the creation of it. That mm-hmm. like, that makes that easy. Um, our, you know, our editors, uh, really chill. Um, but you know, they know when to take us to task and when not to. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, it was just a really smooth process. And I think the best part about it as a new creator, um, and as about Mad Cave generally is that like when you, when you work, uh, for hire, you don't get the, you don't have to always crack the whip with, or like someone else does that for you. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that makes the process, uh, of, of creating a first book a whole lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. beyond that, uh, the Easter eggs, you know, I've got everything from historical references to, um, uh, X-Men references to like, there's just little <laughs> things that I was like, I couldn't not do them. Um, right. and then nobody told me no. So, <laughs> 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 nice. It's too late now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and we're getting uh, some more references uh, in Volume 2, which I'm excited about. Um, and I uh, can't wait for, for people to read it. I'm just like, with Volume 1, because, you know, nobody knew the book was coming out until it was announced, we mm-hmm. didn't have the like the level of hype and people asking what's going on. And now... Now that volume one's out and we're like deep in, in the, in the, in the tank on, uh, on, uh, making volume two, um, people are asking and I'm like, I really want to like, I, I, now I have to really suppress my, my, uh, urge to talk about these, a lot of this because <laughs> all I want <laughs> yeah, to do is talk about it. Right. You gotta like internalize your spoiler alert, like, uh, <laughs> before you, you start talking, like how yeah. much can I share without giving too much away? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, um, and you'd think sure. that would be easier for me as a lawyer, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I'm so excited right. about making comics, so it's really hard not to share that. <laughs> well, see, if you were in the United States of America, you could just plead the fifth. Right. <laughs> well, we have something similar, but <laughs> not quite the same. It's harder gotcha. to do than you than 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 they make it sound. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so speaking along the lines of those Easter eggs and everything, do you know if uh, if Shane had put in like any um, characters that resembles anybody like on the artistic team or anybody that you or he knows? Like because I know I hear artists do this all the time with like inserting themselves or somebody else in a comic as like either a character in the background, a side character. I'm just kind of curious if if Shane did the same thing here. I don't know. You have to ask him. Certainly, okay. I don't know, and it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't anybody I know. I don't think so. Gotcha. And you didn't recognize um, yourself in, in any of them. <laughs> no, no. Um, gotcha. And I think that's for the best. 
I got gotcha. you. So, well, we're, we're really excited to see more Nottingham in the future. And, and um, we're just wondering if you could tell us and the listeners what we can expect from you and the creative team with future issues and future stories of Nottingham. And I, I know said, I, well, I, I can't say much. I know. I, I know. I know. I, know. But I, but I'm just, I mean, we kind of touched on it, but I didn't know if there's anything else that you could say. Right. I, I just wanted to prod on that a little bit. So <laughs> I'll yeah. say this because I've already uh, said it uh, previously. Um, the story will go bigger. It's going to go wider. It's going to go to places you don't expect. Um, majority of the story takes place not in Nottingham itself. Uh, and a substantial chunk of it uh, takes place not in England. Um, mm-hmm. And the year uh, that we set this in, so uh, we were in 1192 before. Now we're in 1193. Um, mm-hmm. And there are big uh, historical things that happened in 1193. Um, and if you know what I'm talking about or if you have the power of Google, um, you may be able to find out exactly what I'm referring to, uh, but I won't say any more than that. <laughs> Right. Oh, right. now every now you've heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Go hit the Googles. Eleven ninety three English history. Yeah. Well, I was like, or, or was maybe, like, or maybe not, because it's not going to be in in London anymore. So maybe it's it's outside somewhere of else. Yeah. 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 When he when he said that we're going to go bigger and we're going to go wider, the first thing that popped in my brain is like Robin Hood's going to rob the Tower of London. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just because. <laughs> Right. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's because that's what the story that I would want to see. Right. Yeah. See, we, we got a little bit more from me prodding on that. And, and, and I, don't, I feel like you didn't really share anything like uh, uh spoiler or anything like that. But no, no. I, I find it's it's a lot. It's a very interesting, exciting now. So because I've yeah. rehearsed that answer in the mirror 10 to 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the latter part of it is more the um, the concern is that art takes a whole lot of time, um, takes a whole lot more time than writing does. Um, I know I'm igniting this uh, age-old controversy uh, that Twitter is obsessed with. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it also is about um, publishers scheduling the work to come out because they don't want things to conflict with each other and they have their own timetable for things. So it's about that too. Um, because monthly comics is probably a minefield to schedule. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, uh, a whole, a whole range of factors there. Um, but also this is one that I, I've only just had the outline approved a couple of weeks ago. So we haven't even started scripting yet. Um, so there's a whole, a whole range of things. You could have the whole thing put together and you could have a date picked out. And then all of a sudden DC decides that they're going to kill Aquaman. And then you, your <laughs> publisher has got to be like, Oh yeah, we're moving the book. Cause we don't want to compete with that. Yeah. So, um, I, look, you know, uh, far be it for me to assume that, uh, I could ever compete with the behemoth that is detective comics, comics, but, um, here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, <laughs> Listen, I don't think I don't think that you have to be, you know, in one of the one of the big houses to produce uh, really great comics. I think that's one of the things that over mm-hmm. the last several years, especially the indie houses like Mad Cave have have done is they've carved out a, a niche for storytellers like you to do uh, new and exciting things um, and and give you the give you the the space to do that in. Mm-hmm. Whereas 
when you're when you're writing for one of the big houses, you're always playing in somebody else's sandbox. And so while that right. like maybe in the back of your mind, he's like, I, I, I've got a Batman story I'd love to write someday. Uh, it, th- this way, you still you still have so much more ownership and control of, of what you're creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I decided to play, I guess. I'm not sure it's within somebody else's sandbox, but, you know, it's with some public domain sand. Uh, but I've just right. built the sandbox myself. Um, oh, there's a, there, we've had, we've had conversations yeah. on the podcast before about, um, public domain characters and, and mm-hmm. how, how it's, it's a deep well to pull from. It's a, it's a good place to go. Right. Um, you can, you can tell a lot of uh, stories the way that you're telling it, just a retelling, um, uh, you know, focusing on a different character, mm-hmm. but leaving it in the same time period. We've talked to people who have updated those stories and, and, and retold classic tales, but in a, in a new time and place. And it, it's all like, if you, though, there are some stories like Robin Hood that are timeless and they work mm-hmm. no matter what period you put them in. Or in your case, what kind of spin you put on it. Right. Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. But since, since Nottingham is a detective story, I thought I would test your medal with a few murder mystery riddles. Okay? Oh no. Oh no. So would, <laughs> would you be up for a game of who done it? Uh, sure. <laughs> it depends. Okay. <laughs> Listen, it'll be really it'll be really great podcast material because you'll either do really really well and everybody will realize your uh your your brilliance or it'll be really really funny because neither of you guys can get the answer. Sean hasn't heard any of these two so he'll right. that's oh who God. you'll be uh, competing I have no against. Idea. Yep, yep. So I'll, I'll be uh and I'm terrible at these games. So you probably won't do any worse than than me. So <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with something that's not a murder mystery. We're going to start, we're going to we're going to go uh, low key larceny. All right, so here it is: a Japanese ship was leaving the port and on the way to the open sea. The captain went to go oil some parts of the ship and took his ring off so it wouldn't get damaged. He left it on the table next to his bunk. When he returned, it was missing. He had suspected three crew three crew members could be guilty and asked them what they had been doing for the ten minutes that he had been gone. The cook said, I was in the kitchen preparing tonight's dinner. The engineer said, I was working in the engine room, making every making sure everything was running smoothly. And the seaman said, I was on the mast correcting the flag because someone had attached it upside down. The captain immediately knew, knew who it was, but how? Hmm. Who stole the ring? Somebody's lying. No. <laughs> So, so what were the three excuses again? One I'm, person I'm was. I'm this riddle like four, four or five times. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll read it. I'll read it from top to bottom one more time because there's, Im- yeah, yeah. there's important, there's important details in there. Okay, here yeah. we go. A Japanese ship was leaving the port and on its way to the open sea. Uh-huh. The captain went to go oil some parts of the ship and took his ring off so it wouldn't get damaged. Uh-huh. He left it on the table next to his bunk. When he returned, it was missing. He had suspected three crew members could be guilty and ask them where, what they had been doing for the 10 minutes he had been gone. Mm-hmm. The cook said, I was in the kitchen preparing tonight's dinner. The engineer said, I was working in the engine room making sure everything was running smoothly. And the sailor said, I was on the mast correcting the flag because somebody had hung it upside down by mistake. 
The captain immediately knew who it was, but how? So obviously one of those people is lying. Right. So... Do you, let me ask you this. Do you need knowledge of like how like naval ships are operated to know no, this? No, only, only its country of origin. Its country of origin, which is Japan, right? Is that what you said? Oh, Correct. It's, uh, it's the seaman. <laughs> the, the yes, you got it. It's the flag. Yeah. Tell us why. Tell us why. Because the flag is the same upside down. As, right? That's correct. The Japanese flag is just a it's just a white rectangle with a, a red circle on it. So uh, the flag would be the same no matter what. It was obviously that the seaman had been lying. Right. Okay. This one is uh, this one is a murder mystery. Four friends regularly visit the sauna together. They always brought something with him. Jack, a musician, took an iPod with him to listen to music. Steve, a banker, took a thermos to drink out of. Patrick and Michael were lawyers and took documents to read. One day, Patrick was found dead. He was killed by a sharp object. Police came immediately and conducted an investigation, but found nothing. Who killed Patrick? And Patrick's the... Lawyer? He's one of the lawyers. I'll read it one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four friends regularly visit the sauna together. They always brought something with them. Jack, a musician, took an iPod with him to listen to music. Steve, a banker, took a thermos to drink out of. And Patrick and Michael were lawyers and took documents to read. One day, Patrick was found dead. He was killed by a sharp object. Police came and immediately conducted an investigation, but found nothing. Who killed Patrick? Sauna sharp object iPod oh. documents yeah thermos. And, thermos and a thermos sharp object primary thinks it has something to do with the thermos either they hid the weapon inside the thermos or something to do with well, the because, temperature because it was always hot it was already hot in the sauna maybe you guys are on the right track <laughs> Thermoses uh, don't just keep things hot; they also keep them cold. Cold. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he was keeping revenge in the thermos. <laughs> <laughs> he was keeping ice cold revenge in the thermos. Yeah, exactly. Steve was. Steve oh. had. A, Steve had a shard of ice in the thermos, uh, and when he stabbed Patrick with it, and the it ice melted. melted and left no evidence. There you go. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right, last one. We, last we, one, I promise, and I'll quit torturing you guys with this. We're, we're the detectives in training here. Like, we, we're, we're on the right track. <laughs> you guys barely got out of the academy. Right. I could just see you both doing that little rope wall. Like, yeah. screw this. We're doing something else. Where's the escalator? Okay. We're going to write comics. Right. <laughs> here we go. Uh, Mr. James was found dead in a room. Mm-hmm. The room had no window, and the door was locked. The only four people who had a key to the room were questioned. Sophia the maid says, I came up, I came to wake Mr. James up. When I saw him dead, I screamed. John the butler, when I heard the scream, I ran into the room, turned on the light, and saw Mr. James with a knife in his back. Sarah the governess, I rushed up alongside John. When he turned on the light, the room was all bloody. And then Jack the cook, I was prepping breakfast and I didn't see anything. Who killed Mr. James? 
All right, you got to run it one more time. One more time. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. James was Mr. James was found dead in a room. The room had no windows and no door. The door was locked. The only four people who had a key to the room were questioned. Sophia the maid, I came to wake Mr. James. I came, uh, sorry, I came to wake up Mr. James. When I saw him dead, I screamed. John the butler, when I heard the scream, I ran into the room and turned on the light and saw Mr. James with a knife in his neck. Sarah the governess, I rushed up alongside John. When he turned on the light, the room was all bloody. Jack the cook, I was prepping breakfast and didn't see anything. Would it be the first person? Explain, Sean. Because <laughs> the other two right after said they had to turn on the light. So how did the first person see that the person was dead? Ding, 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 ding. That is correct, Sean. <laughs> it was Sophia the maid who killed Mr. James, and she would not have seen the body if the lights were not on. Gotcha. Very good. That Yeah, that one, it was like yeah. the window thing obviously has something to do with it, because otherwise, like, why would you add that detail in there? So... Also, yeah, that makes sense. Another question is, why would you sleep in a room with no windows? If you, <laughs> like, if you can afford a maid, a cook, like, <laughs> why do you not have windows? Like, that's where you cut the budget. That's where you draw the line. <laughs> Maybe it was like a Howard Hughes situation where he was like severely agoraphobic or something, and just didn't didn't want to go. <laughs> like Sophia the maid. Sophia the maid definitely did it because she accidentally kicked over the jar of pee that was there. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> he never left the room. Suspiciously, also, the only person with the mildly ethnic name is the one who did it. <laughs> True. Yeah. Hey, I, I didn't write it. I just read it. Right. All right. Well, those, those are our murder mysteries. I think you guys did pretty well. You guys, you guys solved it eventually. <laughs> it was not, not me. Well, you, I like, you got the first one. You got the first one. Yeah, you got the first one. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and that's the thing. It's like with these kinds of details, you have to, especially when you can't read it in front of you on a on a podcast, you have to like hear it and process it over and over again because it's it's one thing to hear it, and it's another thing to be able to read through the details and and um, and try to figure out that way too. So I, I feel like it's it's twice as hard trying to solve the riddle by auditory processing than yeah. to try to read on paper. Yeah. yeah. This is this is why noir books and crime stories work well as graphic novels and mm-hmm. comics because you can you can lay those those clues in into the images right. without mentioning it in the in the dialogue and you can you can hide those things in, in plain sight. So mm-hmm. yeah, of course the Japanese well, flag if you could have seen right, <laughs> right if you could see the Japanese flag like while I was reading it, you would obviously that would have obviously clicked for you. Right. Yeah. But also that's what we did. <laughs> we laid a huge visual clue and yeah. I, I I I think I saw one person on Twitter talking about it after we revealed what happens at the end of issue four. Mm-hmm. Um I don't wanna necessarily spoil things for people who like who want to pick up the trade and haven't picked up the single issues. Mm-hmm. Right. But um yeah, we we left uh, like some really big clues uh, in in the visuals, and not many people picked up on them. Mm. You got to pay attention. Got to yeah. pay attention to those things. Yeah. Now I'm interested too. I've got to go look up 1193, and now I've got to go back and look at, at issue number <laughs> four, four and yeah. see if I can see the see if I can no, find so the, the clues. The clue is that's right there in issue one. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at the last few pages of issue one. I'll I'll tell you when we've stopped recording. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. 
No, but, but I mean, I think that's what I really liked about Nottingham, though, is that like you, you aren't just reading the next uh, issue just to you know see what happens next, but you do have that kind of you're trying to figure out like what happened with all those clues and everything. That's what I really liked about uh, about your story here is that I think it does something that you don't get to read in other you know comic stories is being able to pick up on those clues and try to figure out on your own and kind of, you know, go along the ride. Cause I know there's other comic stories out there that is kind of like a mystery, but you don't really get to figure it out until they like reveal, you know, that big, you know, secret anyways. And I, I feel like, you know, that's a different impact than trying to let the readers figure out on their own before you do that reveal. And I think that's something that's really engaging. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember that. And I, I really like that, uh, uh, that approach to it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, David, before we wrap this up, um, we want to say thank you for coming on and sharing um, your story and sharing Nottingham with us because because now we're huge fans uh, and we look forward to see where the story goes. But can you let our, our listeners know where they can find you and your work online? Yeah, uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter uh, at David T. Hazan um, is the best place. Uh, otherwise, my website www.davidhazan.com. Um, those are the two places that I really use to talk about comics. Everywhere else is more personal social media than just like obsessively ranting about comics. So <laughs> if you want my rants, Twitter is the best place. <laughs> Sign up for the rants now, everybody. Yep, that's what Twitter's for. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed listening. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. If you like what we're doing, give us a shout out or tag us in your posts. For more info about us and all of our previous episodes, please visit thecaptionlife.com. Until next time, beware of Sherwood Forest. Go pick up Nottingham. Indeed. Indeed.